from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine, and everything in between, this is Legends Look Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back. We are proudly part of the Utini Podcast Network. Say that five times fast. We are a Star Wars books podcast for the number one fans of Pablo Hidalgo's Beast Wars sketches on Twitter, where we talk about all things Star Wars legends, celebrating our rich EU history, as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. And woo, are we diving in deep today. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and I'm not joined by... My good friend, Freddy C., with the coolest Star Wars hat in the galaxy. F's in the chat for Freddy. He's still alive. Don't worry. He's still alive. Hopefully, uh, if he can survive that California traffic. But you know who I am joined by? Filling in as our producer this week, one of the great faces of Utini's YouTube channel, Emma Park. How are you, Emma? Hello. I am well. Very excited to be here tonight and chat some legends. I was just commenting last night on the Cosmic Force that... I'm definitely more known for uh, for my canon side, especially when we're picking art of the week. But I did select a Legends art yesterday from oh, yeah. uh, Star Wars number 29 from the 1977 series. Uh, because you know, we talked about Valence last week, so I had to do it. Yeah, you, you chose the image where Valence's severed hand grips Vader's ankle. Uh, that was that was so good. I was so proud of you, Emma. Oh, Way to that. go. So Everybody good. give Emma a round of applause, whether it's wherever you are. If you're driving your car, keep both hands on the wheel. Um, yes. If you're cooking dinner, don't burn the chicken. You know who else is not burning any chicken this week? The greatest doctor in the galaxy since Evazon himself, Charles Hankel. How are you, Charles? Wow. Well, first of all, I only have the death centers in 11 systems. <laughs> uh, and I knew you were going to say that. Shots fired at Corey, uh but that's okay he's he's not here right now i don't see him in the chat so he didn't hear that um i'm doing very well i'm really i'm stoked to be here um i think was i on the first round table that we ever tried for this show wasn't it kenobi didn't yeah. we do that like way early i, I don't even know it if was it either was... episode it was either you or eric eric came on early too um, I know that after your episode, we were like, all right, yeah, we got to figure out a better way to do roundtables. Because <laughs> it was still, I assumed was still I, learning. I, I offended somebody, and now the truth comes out, it was Freddy, because I'm back when Freddy's gone. So. <laughs> no, 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 we were like, oh, yeah, we'll just kind of like, you know, talk through the plot points of the book, and that'll be a great way to do it. And we're like, no, we actually need some very specific questions to, <laughs> to help us get all the way through, which we have learned. It takes a lot of time. Which, by the way, did it. Uh, guys, I finished Shatterpoint today, and oh my gosh, was that amazing. And I can't wait for us to do our Shatterpoint roundtable coming up in just a couple of weeks here on the show. Before we go any further, though, I've got to gotta clear the air here with Charles. Charles discovered uh, a shared passion this week in the mm. Utini Slack that we got to put out on the internet for the whole world to hear, to immortalize. You are, or were... A massive Captain Underpants fan growing up. Oh, yeah. Let's definitely <laughs> talk about this. Um, all right. Well, first of all, this is weird. This is weird to put out there. But second of all, this is the second reference to underwear uh, in the first 15 minutes of Welcome this podcast. Welcome to Legends That's yeah. even more strange. Um, but yes, so I, Jared and I apparently both were big Captain Underpants fans and both 20 years before we knew each other, uh, made our own spin-off comics. I, mine was mine was Captain Boxers, which is not at all copyright infringement. Okay, they're totally different undergarments. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know what yours was, Jared, but it's a very it's a very odd connection. It is those he's. I think Dave Pilkey has actually recently been canceled, or at least like one of his properties was culturally insensitive and was you know was canceled. Um, one thing those books were not trying to be was politically correct. That's for sure. <laughs> my my spinoff comics originated with the the Pizza Men. There were five of them. P, I. <laughs> you see where this is going? Z one and Z two. All right, and uh, but then there was a spinoff from that called Janitor Man. How did I get from Pizza Man to Janitor Man? It's a shared universe. I remember that much. I even commissioned an artist at twelve years old. I paid a buddy like twenty bucks to do concept designs for me because I was a terrible artist. Wow, it's a whole thing. I have no idea where all those are. One of these days, it'll be a Patreon reward. That's a, dude. I have mine. I do have you? mine. I will throw them in the next time I visit my parents. They're in a plastic yes. blue suitcase because I took myself very seriously at that age. <laughs> That's amazing. I I've got a, I don't know. I have no idea what has happened, but uh, I am going back to my hometown, so I could always uh, you know hang out in the storage unit in the hundred degree Arkansas heat looking for these things. Yeah, that's not going to happen. You know what is going to happen, though, is we're going to show off our recent acquisitions. And that is one of the fun things we like to do here on Legends Look Back is talk about the new stuff we got. And unfortunately, the thing that I was really excited about showing off has not yet arrived, but it has shipped, which is exciting. Three out of my four Legends Black series have shipped. Jackson... Uh, Kyrkanos from the Crimson Empire, which I recently read and really dug, so I'm excited about displaying that. And then um, my Luke, my uh, my you know big gun sleeveless Luke has not shipped yet. And there's one other I'm forgetting. It's not Naked Palps. He didn't get an action figure yet. Sadly, what am I forgetting? Yeah. That's the operative word. Uh, anyway, three out of my four have shipped. Hopefully, next episode I can show them off. What I do have though is. Kind of a funny coincidence. I'm, I'm wondering, Emma, first, though, if you're going to show off the same thing that I'm about to show off. What do you have here, Emma, to show off recent acquisitions? You got anything new for Thracken's Thrift Store? Regrettably, I do <gasps> not. And I know no. this is very off-brand for me <laughs> because, I mean, I'm very known for being a collector. But you know what? I just bought a new computer. I'm trying to save money. And um, other than the Rising Storm, which came... Yeah. Uh, uh, that that was one thing, but other than that, um, surprisingly, nothing from me. Well, that's what I thought you were gonna say. Uh, it was the rising storm, Charles? Did you get a did you get a physical copy of this, or are you just going with your uh, your free kickback that you guys get over there at uh, <laughs> the Living Force? <laughs> no, no, I I do have a physical copy of uh, of the rising storm. I have the Target uh, exclusive. Oh, look at that thing with uh, with all the beautiful beautiful Jedi portraits there. Um, and uh, and I do have the uh, out of print edition that will come soon as well. So oh yeah, I I went my... through an existential crisis and whether or not I should order that, and here's why. Books a million. I ordered the signed copy, pre-ordered it. You know, the day it was announced because I didn't have Kevin's autograph yet. I'm collecting all the Star Wars author autographs and doing pretty good on that collection. Didn't have him yet. Really love him. Was excited to have his. So I ordered it before they ever announced the out-of-print edition. Once they did announce the out-of-print edition, I furiously, frantically tried to cancel my Books a Million pre-order, and they would not let me cancel. You know what they did do, however, is ship me not one, <laughs> but for the price of one, they shipped me two 
signed copies. Two I can't even get these in the frame. Copies. Two signed copies oh, wow. of The Rising Storm. And so, uh, thankfully, I've got a friend up here in Massachusetts who I, back in January, just recently got into Star Wars books for the first time in her life with Light of the Jedi. She has since read like 20. She's read the entire Timothy Zahn catalog, which is wow. awesome. And so I'm going to give her one of these copies tomorrow. Um, no giveaway, you know, not uh, not doing one of those <laughs> here in the chat. It's already claimed. But that does bring me up, if we count, the free copy that they sent me, the one that I bought but tried to cancel, the out-of-print that I ordered, and the Target exclusive that puts me up. Oh, and I've got the ebook and the audio book. <laughs> oh, my so word. Many copies of this book. The rising and, storms. Yeah, that's right. The rising, the rising wave that's going to eclipse me of um, of debt, just financial stress. <laughs> you know what else is going to put me in the debt? Some of these new announced, newly announced uh, Legends books that are coming up on the horizon. Emma, why don't you start us off here and tell us about uh, some of the things to be on the lookout for in um, the Legends world. Sure, yeah. So we have a new Marvel Legends Epic Collection announced, uh, Legacy Volume 4, which collects Legacy Volume uh, 2, uh, which is issues <laughs> number 1 through 18, featuring, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, Anya? Yeah. Anya? Anya. Anya Solo. Uh, and it's due out March 2022. All right. Well, I kind of punked you with that one. Did you notice just how ridiculous the terminology was with this? Yes, yes, I stumbled over it quite a bit. <laughs> so this is a Marvel <laughs> Legends epic collection, not to be confused with the new Del Rey Essential Legends collections. Those are prose books. These are comics, right? Okay, I think um, that's where I got confused. But it's reprinting a Dark Horse comic, which was Legacy. But this is not Legacy Volume 1 featuring Cade Skywalker. It's Legacy Volume 2. But for the all of the Cade Skywalker Legacy Volume 1 comics have already been released as Marvel Legends Epic Collections Legacy Volumes 1 through 3. So Legacy Volume 2 <laughs> is being released as Legacy Volume 4. Are you with me? <laughs> no. Only partially. <laughs> anyway, I'm actually really excited about this. This is a vastly underrated um uh, Legends comic series. It's it's shorter than Legacy Volume One. It's very different. There's a a murder droid. There's a like a oh, an like IG. There's an IG droid with like a big bandolier across his belt, and he's got I forget his name. He's got you know dual dual wielding pistols, and uh, the fan theory is that he's actually C three PO reprogrammed into an IG unit a hundred plus years after Return of the Jedi. Anyway, it's amazing. I'm excited for this. It, it is really good. Just definitely check it out. You can find your pre-orders through the Uchini affiliate links if you click on uh, our new release schedule, upcoming releases. I'm sure we'll have it on there soon if it's not already. Secondly, coming up is uh, another Legends comic. This one, however, is not a Marvel Legends epic collection. This is the hardcover omnibus of Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, Emma's going to throw this one up on the screen here for us. This is the one we talked about back when we did the, um, what, three-part roundtable plus one more with the interview with John Jackson Miller uh, when we did um, all, what, 50-plus issues of the Knights of the Old Republic comic series. We hyped it back then in January. You can order them 
that there's still people frantically in the Legends Look Back Discord channel we've been chatting all day about like which order, which, which version are you going to get and where are you going to get it and what price are you going to pay and who gets the most money when you buy it from which source. Anyway, all 1,344 pages of this thing comes out next week, July 7th. Charles, can you imagine having 1,344 pages of a Star Wars story in one volume? Um, well, I can now. And I'll tell you, I've never read a single page of that, but just this cover alone that we're showing everybody, I want that on my shelf. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the cover because there's been some controversy. Did you hear about this? Uh-oh. No, I don't know the controversy. So, I don't know if it's controversy, but like, I'm I'm peeved in that mildly peeved. It doesn't actually matter because uh, I'm a collector and only the spine is really going to be what's seen on my shelf for the most part. And I'm going to love having this thing. And I'm really excited to spend money on it. However, this cover is by an artist named... All right. One is the Chin cover. One is the Weaver cover. Emma, you've got these in... in yes. Which the one, one is this? The one I'm showing right now is the Weaver cover. Weaver. All right. This one is not changed. This is the exact product of what you're going to get which is not the one that I ordered. Emma, show the one that I ordered. <laughs> the one that I ordered is the Ching cover. Brian Ching is the name of the artist. However, they have changed the art. This is no longer the Ching art that's going to be featured on the cover of the book that I bought. The one that they put up is probably better, but it's not the one that I thought I was buying. Can you imagine dropping $100 on a book and then the before like a week before it gets to you they say oh yeah by the way we're gonna it's gonna have a different cover it's kind of yeah, wild no, isn't it that's that's that's, that's frustrating fair. yeah what it, do you know what the new art is yes we don't have it in obs but it is however in the legends look back discord channel so click through if you want to chat about that more with us there's some you know some spicy takes there like hear me out i'm super pumped for this either way it's actually kind of thrilling to you know have them throw me a curveball you place a, a pre-order six months in advance, seven months in advance, and then the week before, they change it up. It's kind of like, all right, keep me on my toes. Especially when we're talking about like ancient Star Wars titles. These are old. They've been around for a while. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Kind of fun to have some new additions. And one other thing in the Legends Lookout segment here, one more new hardcover Marvel Omnibus, much like we've just talked about with the KOTOR Omnibus, is the Empire Volume 1 Omnibus. This also releases, uh, releases in March of 2022 alongside the Marvel Legends Epic Collection Legacy Volume 4, Collecting Legacy Volume 2. Remember? All right, this one is Empire Volume 1, Collecting. You ready for this? <clears throat> Star Wars Republic. 78 through 80, Star Wars Purge, number one, Star Wars Purge Seconds to Die, number one, Star Wars Purge The Hidden Blade, number one, Star Wars Purge Tyrant's Fist, one and two, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Lost Command, one through five, Star Wars Dark Times, one through 17, Dark Times Blue Harvest, zero, Dark Times Out of the Wilderness, one through five, Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison, one through five. I've read very few of those, so I'm very excited to get my hands on this. Wow. That was quite a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And Emma, tell the folks where they can pre-order these bad boys. Oh, yeah. You know you know where. Utini.com. <laughs> and you can uh, search up the book that you want. Any book. It doesn't even have to be these. You can search up your book. Look at their book profile page. You've got an Amazon link. I think we've got uh, Books a Million. And I'm going to stop talking before I say something that we don't have yet. Yeah. But there's the a bunch of links there. Just click on these, them. With these, they're actually solicited more through comic shops than traditional bookstores. 
So oh, I think we, we probably just have an Amazon link for these. However, we do still have a live Amazon link for the Knights of the Old Republic Omnibus, which is $13 off cover price. Look at that. And we will, it's a pretty substantial buy, so we'll get a UTE like a good kickback on that. So you really want to do us a favor. Yeah, you can get yourself 1,344 pages of Old Republic content. So before we go any further into that rabbit hole, we are going to go in a very different, very, very old, very Legends-y rabbit hole. In fact, it's so Legends-y that even in Legends, it's Legends. It's not even really all that canonical. We're going to talk about the Disney Plus Vintage Collection featuring the Boba Fett cartoon, the Ewok movies, the Ewok cartoon, the Droids cartoon, and, you know it, Gindy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars this is something that was buried in the Disney vault for years. Disney released some classic, legendary Star Wars shows and movies, and we are going to break it all down. You know what's awesome? Despite the fact that some of this uh, content wasn't my favorite, <laughs> the theme songs were fire, weren't they? It's true. It's true. Not the Ewok that season two, though. They ruined it. Yeah. Well, they. I... <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. Droids was like... I felt like I was, I don't know, it could have been Elton John. I don't know who sang that song, but I was like, I heard it once, and I was like, the rest of the day, I was like, in trouble again. Like, I was just humming it, I was singing it around the house. It's fantastic. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Out of the three theme songs, right? We got the Droids theme song, In Trouble Again, and then there was the Ewoks, as you're referencing, Emma, there was an Ewok season one theme song, and they changed it for season two. They changed it. All right, rank them. Theme songs. I'm going to put, as Charles said, I'm going to put that Droids theme song as number one. Uh, How about you, Emma? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. uh, Droids, number one. Ewok season one, number two. Ewok season two last, because the first season was really good, and they ruined it with the second season. (laughs) I, all right, I think that's the definitive list. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, I will say, even if you, like, you know, after listening to us talk about these tonight, maybe not, like, convinced that you want to go and binge all of this, you could, and I have. <laughs> but I would at least encourage everybody to like, listen to these theme songs. It'll take two, three minutes of your life, and it will be worth it, because they'll be stuck in your head. It's like a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? It just stays in there. It's it's true. Yeah, they're, they're on YouTube. Look them up. You're going to have one of them stuck in your head. I don't know which one. Probably the droids one. That one's just really catchy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, the thing about the theme song, did you know that it was actually recorded by um, one of the guys who was in The Police? I don't mean like Ooh, really? that. You know, Makes so much sense. Law enforcement. I mean, the classic rock band. Um, I've got his name here in the notes somewhere. Command F Police. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Stuart Copeland is his name, recorded um, in Trouble Again. And it definitely sounds like something that could have played on the radio in the mid-'80s and is excellent, absolutely excellent. So uh, besides the theme songs, we're going to talk about these this actual content here. Um, this goes all the way back to 1978 in the Disney Plus Vintage Collection. This was released earlier this year, and they just added more to it. What, last week, two weeks ago? Um, What was initially released on the Disney Plus Vintage Collection, as uh, Emma has here on the screen for us, of course, is the Boba Fett cartoon from the Holiday Special. They knew better than to put the whole Holiday Special (laughs) on there, but they got the, um, the Boba Fett cartoon what is it, seven minutes long, from the holiday special called The Faithful Wookiee. This is the earliest one from 1978, done by the same animation company that made the other shows. They ended up going back to uh, six, seven years later to make some 
some spin-off series following Return of the Jedi. So we've got the Ewok movies, Caravan of Courage, released in 1984, Battle for Endor, released in 1985, the Ewok cartoon, simply called Ewoks, brilliant, brilliant title. Um, Two seasons ran from 1985 to 1986, and this is fun. It really puts it in its context for me. Once I knew this piece of trivia it really unlocked my understanding of what the show is it ran up against like on competing networks up against the muppet babies and the smurfs so if you really want to like that that explains some things you want to have a smurf in good time just watch back to back (laughs) muppet babies ewoks and then the smurfs (laughs) and then get back in your time machine and what's up hey you hang hang out with us in 2021 um they also of course smurfs won it's, yeah, oh man. Uh, you guys seen those new Smurfs movies with Neil Patrick Harris? I Underrated. have. I've seen like one Surprisingly of them. They're, they're pretty no. good. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty good. They're pretty good. You wouldn't think so, but they are. I watched them only on airplanes. Perfect airplane movies. Perfect. Just hanging out with Gargamel. Anyway, um, also released, most importantly, out of all of this, I would say, it would be Gennady Tartakovsky's Clone Wars series, which was technically three seasons, is now released in two volumes. I gotta love Star Wars with its weird numbering. Three seasons, two volumes, which <laughs> ran from 2003 to 2005. The golden age of prequel content, as far as I'm concerned. And then, like I said, just last week, maybe two weeks ago, the Droids cartoon was released on Disney Plus, uh, which really goes to show that they could keep dropping stuff into this vintage collection, which is exciting. This was uh, first released in 1985, um, uh, right alongside the Ewoks cartoon. So, Charles, let's start with you. What's your history with this, with this content? Have you watched any of it before the Disney Plus vintage collection? Yeah, so my major connection to this entire collection is the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, because I was sitting there waiting for it to come on like every new episode the early ones that were just three to four minutes so i watched that as they came out through my childhood through those years just waiting for episode three um the other stuff let's see the the story of the faithful wookie i watched the entire holiday special for the first time in college because my roommate at the time vincent uh, got his hands on a on a burned DVD copy of the holiday special. So that was my first encounter with that. But droids, Ewoks, the Ewok movies, all of that is very new to me. I uh, I watched it pretty much for this episode tonight, and I was happy about some of it and not so happy about other parts. <laughs> yeah, that's such a generous way of putting it, Charles. Charles, ever the <laughs> diplomat, he just... He just did that like super fast mace punch to diplomacy in the face there with his description. That's good. Yeah, I I actually watched the uh, the Clone Wars series live as it was you know not every episode because they were hard to time. They it were was. they were so short that if you like went to get a drink of Gatorade at the wrong time, yes. you could tell I wasn't you know, definitely playing no, a lot of no pee breaks allowed when <laughs> you're waiting on that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you miss it. You'd be back and Anakin would be like. Well, Obi Wan, that was a good little good adventure we had there, and then it was over. It was over. Uh, how about you, Emma? You were too young to be watching the Clone Wars uh, series that came out live on Cartoon Network. Um, you know, we were taking Gatorade breaks and pee breaks. You were just like not born yet. So, uh, what's <laughs> what's your history with this series, though? Of course, Trevor over there in Wales, which we learned he's Welsh. Trevor over there is uh, you know laughing at all of us because we're too young to have watched the 80s shows as they were coming out live. But how about you, Emma? 
Yeah, so I hadn't watched any of this except for the Faithful Wookiee cartoon because I watched the holiday special on YouTube, regrettably. So I did, you know, technically watch that, but um, now I've seen all of it now that it's been on Disney Plus. So um, I think it's great that they're adding it to Disney Plus for people that weren't around during that time or are curious. It's definitely like an interesting look into that time and that that period of entertainment, I think. So... (laughs) It that's a good way of saying it. It is definitely like a a trip in the time machine. You know, it is a uh, a glimpse into the past of what Star Wars was struggling to be, and this really is couching its history for the fact that George had young children at the time of you know the release of Return of the Jedi, and was trying to shift Star Wars into being more childlike, and you can see that of course coming to fruition in Jar Jar Binks, of course. In um in the Phantom Menace, I almost said the Trade Federation. Excuse me, um you know those you know eight year olds love them some, uh, some trade disputes, <laughs> the taxation of trade lanes. But no, he really did lean into this idea that Star Wars is for kids and went that direction. He wanted to create content that his kids could enjoy. I like to think that George was creating himself his own babysitters. Don't you think? I love that. That's so neat. <laughs> trying to get Coming him. from someone with children, I feel like you've thought about this long and hard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We call Peppa Pig the new snooze button. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did, however, try to watch this with my kids, and they were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Which Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's very different than the cartoons that like I watched as a kid and that are probably being released today. Um, just, I don't know. It's a different style. It's a different like amount of action, different topics, things like that. So I, I can kind of see why they weren't super into it, but it, maybe it was just because they knew it was old and they, they just like, they knew that they just maybe shouldn't even be interested in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me though, as a kid, um, all right, Charles, I don't guess this would apply to Emma. Charles, have you? did you ever, you know, growing up, go and rent VHSs from a physical oh, yeah, location? Man. Oh, at Hollywood Video, right around the corner from my house. Uh, it was it was a good Friday night when we would go have dinner and then go to the Hollywood Video. Pick out your VHS for the weekend. Perfect. Yeah, you know, my, uh, my hometown, Oklahoma, had two video stores, rival video stores across the street from each other. I can't remember what they... Oh, Movie Gallery and Crossroads. I liked Crossroads better because they sold Pokemon cards. But <laughs> Movie Gallery had more movies, which was like kind of the point. Right, but I remember renting this thing incessantly. Uh, the Ewoks movie, the first one, Caravan of Courage. I still have yet to see Battle for Endor. I tried to get it in before this episode, didn't happen, hasn't happened. You gotta it watch will. Carav- You've got to watch Battle for Endor, like it was so much more enjoyable than Caravan of Courage. Um, just you, you gotta okay, do it. okay, so <laughs> I don't you liked spoil it more. It for you. you liked it more than Caravan of Courage. That's cool. I That's did. cool. I did. I'm 100%. looking forward. It was because of this guy, right? Uh, I'm pretending like you can see me pointing. There he is. But, yeah, totally. Uh, on the far right there. Uh, oh, what was his name? Wilford oh, Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> was that his name? I don't that know. little creature on the right there? I don't remember, but he like runs super fast. Oh, he's, Teak. Like, really funny. That's Teak. Teak. Yeah, Teak. Yeah, he's he's really great in it. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit more. I so I've yet to see that, but I probably rented Caravan of Courage so many times that we could have just bought the dang thing. 
I mean, <laughs> how many times did my parents let me rent that? Did you have like a go-to, we're going to go rent the same movie, Charles, yes. at the, at the oh, video 100%. store? 100%. So I have, I have an older sister who, she's two and a half years older than me, and we would go and we could each pick out our own movie. She would pick something out new every time. I got the same Power Rangers movie every yes. single time. <laughs> Freddie Why? and I are big I don't Power know. Rangers fans. I enjoyed it. Oh my gosh. Was it the one where Zach beats up the putties through dancing? Because that's a good one. It sounds dancing. like a good one. As many times as I probably watched that VHS, I have no recollection of any of the yeah, events. I think own. it was Morphin Time at one point, and uh, you thought Definitely. the middle lost, and then he came back 10 times bigger. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, if Freddie was here, he's big into martial arts. Um, yeah, the Black Ranger, he has his own form of martial arts called Hip Hop Keto, which is <laughs> hip hop dancing and martial arts. It's... <laughs> It's so great. Yeah, there's a whole episode about it. We would rent that at our VHS store. Emma, I would equate this probably to just being like having your Netflix comfort food, right? Like It's like yeah. you need to unwind. We're just going to watch the same thing on Netflix that we watched yesterday. I mean, like, that's relatable, right? Oh, 100%. Okay. And for me, like, for me, it's The Office, like the U.S. Office. Sure. Like, right. I know that's like not really applicable here, but, you know, I kind of remember like, you know, I wasn't, uh, I'm not old enough to like, have that same experience with like renting videos but i was old enough for like the um when netflix sent you dvds oh cool yeah um and i i don't even think we had a go-to movie like my dad controlled the queue and it was always stuff that he wanted to see before anybody else (laughs) and like that's like the only struggle i remember with with you know getting entertainment when i was younger (laughs) that's great rambo again dad um (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome well we've talked about our history with this so we're not going to spend a ton of time on the ewoks and droids cartoons we can get back to them in the trivia section because honestly like oh they were kind of rough kind of rough but i do want to ask did you have an opinion on which was better ewoks or droids obviously the execs like the higher ups who are pulling the purse strings on this stuff thought ewoks was better because it got two seasons as opposed to the droids one in fact there was even one extra episode added to droids um they canceled it prematurely but then none other than star wars sound designer ben burt stepped in to try to save it and so he wrote one last finale episode which in true star wars fashion is a prequel (laughs) so the finale is a prequel to the rest of the series, which is so great. Huh. Um, uh, the Droids cartoon only got 13 episodes. The Ewoks cartoon got a full two seasons. Uh, Charles, let's start with you out of your, you know, dipping your toe in the waters with these. Did you have a preference on the Ewoks or the Droids? I did, and I think I might be contrary to uh, maybe what most people think. I will be fully transparent. I only watched the pilot of both of these shows. It's like a good litmus test. I thought that Ewoks was better. I did. Um, it, it was, I don't know, it was more interesting to me. Uh, the Wisties, that was all wild. Yep. Like the, the Wistie Queen. Hated that for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, but they're in Battlefront now, so it's like super cool to see. Oh, are they yes, really? Yes, exactly. So there, yeah. there is a story behind that because my buddies and I, uh, we play Ewok Hunt uh, sometimes like late at night. Like I'm talking 2 a.m. We decide to play Ewok Hunt. And, you know, you're running around in the darkness and uh, all of a sudden a wisty pouch will bust next to you and we all just scream wisties while we're like running away from whoever. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> but there was that moment where Wicket is just dancing with one of like the wisty queen in the forest. And I was like, this is this is why I'm here. 
Oh my gosh. This I is love the reason that. I'm like, watching this old the, cartoon. The lore of this 1980s cartoon brought back to life in 2021. If the, if they could have thought, it would be like the the Paul Rudd meme. Look at us. Who would have thought this show would have <laughs> like had its own second life all these years later. That's so cool. All right, so you're going to say Ewoks. Um, I, I decently enjoyed Ewoks. There just wasn't any stellar voice acting. And then I hated everything that wasn't the main crew of Ewoks, which is like half the show. Um, and I say hated it. You know, it it you mean it adds... like not the main Ewoks or what yeah, do you mean like by the that? bad guys, the villains. What are they called? Oh, oh, like the okay. the Dulocks. The Dulocks. They look there like we go. The Grinch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Could not really hang with them for. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but they did have like kind of irritating voices for sure. That's that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've also been studying hard for grad school this month, so like anytime I need my brain off, what I don't and don't you know have my kids screaming at me, I don't need some gnarly Ewoks screaming at me either. So. Um, what I need to do, and I've got a working hypothesis here, I, I want to watch Care Bears, Gummy Bears, and Ewoks back to back to back, inebriated, and then see <laughs> which of them, if I would ever do that, you know, theoretically, of course, uh, and see which of them adds up, because I used to like those two shows as a kid. Um, Emma, do you, you even have a clue what I'm together. talking about? Uh, not 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 really. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it sounds like an intro. I think I watched Care Bears when I was little, but... You know, that just sounds like a very interesting mix of shows that you've just riled see, off there. See, Emma, you don't quite understand. Um, in the Ewoks pilot, when they played Drop the Sack, Jared and I played Drop the Sack as, <laughs> as children. Uh, yep. There was not enough entertainment out there yet. Um, oh, goodness. Drop the Sack was a real game. Yeah. Uh, before we say anything else about that, uh, Emma, did you have a preference on Ewoks or droids? Definitely droids. I think it was because, you know... The villains in Ewoks were annoying. I agree with you, Jared. But also, I felt like the premise for each episode was kind of the same. Like, the Ewok kids all do something stupid to get themselves in trouble. And then, oh, goodness, we got to go fix it. Um, Whereas droids was just, it was just kind of this, like, cluster of of just wildness that I can't even quite pinpoint anything on really it was like it was a very weird experience to watch and i feel like it had a little bit more variety so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with droids <laughs> i'm sorry i'm dying at Corey's comment in this in the chat which is what the heck is drop the sack <laughs> i just saw that well Corey, oh uh, l- let me explain it to you it's it's a a game that the ewok children play where they sit up high in the trees and they drop sacks of mud <laughs> On each other. Uh, no, on Aunt Bozzy exclusively. Oh, yes, on, on their aunt, yes. <laughs> Poor Aunt Bozzy got the works, man, always. Well, that was that was oh, one of the annoying yeah. things about these shows was how many, like how much gratuitous violence there was. I know what you're saying, gratuitous violence. But th- there was so many pratfalls. It was definitely a lot of like falling and hurting each other humor, which, yeah. you know, I've got a three-year-old. It's really not that funny. But, like, maybe they would think it's funny. So, I, I actually, out of the two preferred droids, mostly because I enjoyed listening to Anthony Daniels play C-3PO. Yeah, um, yep. He actually actually was, um, I'm going to have to mute the chat. I can't even look at this. Um, I can't either. He actually, you know, revived his role as C-3PO. And there's this indiscernible quality that he has in his vocal performance compared to, I mean, it's been 40 years 40 years since he first started playing C-3PO, there's something in his voice in the droids cartoon that really just works. 
and it sounds so authentically original trilogy compared to some like recent performances. I mean, he's still doing great. He never ages. Um, but this was a, a very authentically original trilogy. Anthony Daniels' performance definitely loved that. Um, my biggest gripe with droids was basically all the original characters. <laughs> Any, anything that wasn't, you know, originally in the original trilogy kind of, you know, graded with me. But I will say all of the space battle sequences, anything happening with spaceships or speeders were excellent. The sound design was great. The problem was like there were very, very few moments where they were like, yeah. you know, having spaceship chases. But when they did, my, I was they were good. My biggest problem with droids from the one episode I watched uh, was not that C-3PO blinked. It was that he blinked with vertical eyelids. <laughs> they weren't even just normal eyelids. Wait, talk to me about his eyelids anatomically. His eyelid, what should so, droids' so, eyelids so, anatomically be well, from the perspective of a doctor? Eyelids? Should they have I think eyelids? Definitely is the real not. Just based on a creepiness factor. Yes, they should just stare through you, like not even at you, but through you. Uh, right. Somehow that's and less his, creepy. He doesn't have a top and bottom eyelid, is what I'm trying to say. He has a left and a right. <laughs> and, I had no and idea. That's, <laughs> I didn't that's very, that. It's very disturbing. Yeah, wow. his his uh, facial expressions were uh, terrifying. I can't decide if I want to say terrifying or horrifying, but definitely one of the two. Um, I mean, it's he had eyebrows, sh- like, like pseudo yeah. eyebrows. Like, what, what even was that? <laughs> it's one of those choices where they needed him to emote. But that's one of the, the brilliant things about C-3PO is he can emote without eyelids whether they're the right way or the wrong way <laughs> so yeah definitely one of the biggest crimes in the droid show was uh, the c-3po blinking i think we can all agree on that but kind of leads me to this question which is like uh, regardless of the execution of these shows i just wonder from a conceptual standpoint were these the right choices for spin-off shows after the original trilogy the mid 80s you know you put yourself into the dark times of star wars content making um, after return of the jedi before the um you know landmark book heir to the empire I almost said heir to the jedi woo uh, heir to the empire in 1991 um this is in that period where star wars has kind of fallen out of the public consciousness what do you think would have been a good alternative besides droids or Ewoks? What would have been like the ideal cartoon, the animated series to make after Return of the Jedi in the mid '80s? You ever thought about this? So, just like my gut reaction right now is like, it would be really cool to have seen a cartoon about the Mon Calamari like after Return of the Jedi. That's like my gut reaction. Oh, we got some Mon Calamari stuff in the Clone Wars cartoon. That's for sure. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's it's like it's like Muppet Babies. I feel like it's a common thing. Just take the main character of something that you love and let's see them, you know, as a child. So I feel like they could have done like a young Luke running around tattooing with all of his good buddies. That could have been fun. Oh. Star Wars Muppet oh, yeah. Babies? That's not the yes. worst idea I've ever heard. I mean, I did watch like a lot of Ewoks and Droids this week, but so my bar <laughs> It's shifted. Your low. bar is pretty low. <laughs> yeah, it's low. It's very low. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a good idea. I I've always been clamoring for. We got this to a certain extent with Rebels, a um, like fighter pilots show, an animated, oh, yeah. um, an animated fighter pilots show, um, kind of in the the vein of Speed Racer, 
um, that's about, you know, like Rogue Squadron, but it would have needed to be set maybe between episodes four and five, something in that era. Um, so I still think that there is a lot of a lot of room for a show like that. Even today, I'd like to see them do this in the Speed Racer, like 1980s style today of like a Rogue Squadron show, like an eight episode, 13 episode limited series, kind of revisiting this this 2D style. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, hopefully we get some some creative art choices with Visions, which is coming out later this year. It's supposed to be anime, and hopefully we get some flat 2D art. I'd like to see that that art style explored as well. Have you guys seen that TIE pilot, like that TIE fighter um, like YouTube video that circulated yes. there a couple years back? Yeah, oh, dude, that is incredible work. Um, I really love that thing. And I, I also love like all of the like manga adaptations that they've put out. So like do that just in a in a show. I would eat that up. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. You could turn that, and hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll see what Visions is. But yeah, Emily, we'll have to send you a, a link after the show. We'll put it in the Legends yeah. Look Back Discord channel. There was a fan-made um, Tie Fighter anime, just a video, maybe five minutes long, and they kept adding to it. Took them months, maybe a couple so years, awesome. and it is just absolutely one of the best pieces of fan-made Star Wars content ever. Um, really, really follows like the Gundam style of anime from the eighties. Kind of, kind of reminiscent of that, like the late night, one a.m. Adult Swim stuff that I used to watch in the two thousands. <laughs> After you watched the the two thousands, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars series, we're going to get to in just a second. Before we do, um, one of the little tidbits I stumbled upon with the Ewok movies. Talk about the Ewok movies here for a second. One of the crazy tidbits I stumbled across today is there's actually some some debate, some controversy surrounding where they fit on the timeline. Did you guys get any sense when watching them? where they fit into Star Wars continuity. You know, I tried to use Wicket as, like, my base for trying to figure out, like, whether this took place before Episode Six or after, and I honestly couldn't figure it out. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> uh, I've got some thoughts. Let's ask, uh, let's ask Charles first. No, I, I mean, I'm going to be real with y'all. I made it about all of... 10 to 15 minutes in a caravan of courage and it's a slow uh, I, roll. I had to it turn is. it off. So um, I have no idea where it landed. I, hopefully somewhere very far, far away from where I am. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a slow roll. You gotta, you gotta sit with it. You gotta make the commitment to I'm watching this and nothing will stop me. I say that it took me about 20 separate sittings to make it through, but just like, that's just life with the kids. I'll blame it on my kids. Blame it on my kids. Get this. Originally, um, this was thought to be 150 years after the Battle of Endor. A hundred no and a hundred and fifty Why? years. <laughs> it was. I don't have a great answer there, <laughs> other than it was in a few different pieces of reference material. Then later is retconned to being much closer to the Battle of Endor. I, I, I need to double check. I think it's just shortly afterward. Um, the number one say, thing that's very interesting because Wicket is a child still, so then then Ewoks would have to age pretty weirdly. <laughs> that's definitely one of the things I was thinking. Um, yeah. One one of the other issues is the Ewoks don't have really any human contact in um, in Return of the Jedi. You know, Wicket is super suspicious of Leia until she feeds him. What is it like mm -hmm. a granola bar? <laughs> something like that yeah like a yeah, cracker a like a saltine <laughs> we had a big debate about what did she feed him in slack a couple years ago 
uh, oh, to really? try to find that one. Anyway, it was a big debate. I'm pretty sure I won. But the fact of the matter is, um, they did retcon this to being much closer. But I thought that was crazy that in a few different... Uh, we'll see if Trevor's got any of these. Uh, a few a few ancient 80s reference guides. 150 years. The only thing I can think of plot-wise that would age it would be... It seems like the Ewoks really don't have any contact with humans mm. in Return of the Jedi. So it would have to be after it. For some reason, right? Because these kids come along and they're like hanging out with the kids and you know getting along just fine, but then they're super suspicious of Leia and they're like worshiping C three PO. It's a whole they almost eat them. You know that part's fun. So uh, that's a little crazy tidbit there. Let me ask you this, Emma, since uh, Charles, you know, didn't quite make it through. What what do you think was the most redemptive part of the Ewok movies? Like the number one thing that made it watchable. I think. And this might be a little weird, but I'm going to say whoever played Sindel, her acting, her acting was really good for being a kid. And I'm going to Aubrey Miller. Her. Yeah. Aubrey Miller. Yes, thank you. Aubrey Miller's acting was very good. I thought it was going to be pretty bad based on some of like the early footage of, of the movie. But I, I was like really surprised at how well she acted with, you know, these people in masks. And I think she really sold me that she was on Endor yeah. and like afraid and you know sick in the beginning and stuff like that so I think the acting uh, on her part was was very well done that is actually a really good um, a really good uh, uh, perspective on that to think about the fact that she is acting against like <laughs> teddy bears right everybody else right. is in a costume and she is a kid i mean she doesn't have like the best acting training and she really does a stellar job definitely for for her age uh such a great job in fact that they killed off her brother for volume two and just went with her <laughs> they're like let's keep her That's true. kill the kid whose name yes. is mace by the way did we talk about that i don't think we've talked about that yet no no here we, i've got a picture this is mace right here next to uh Wicket and Sindel. I mean, he's got his blaster, his tiny little blaster. It's like, it's like trying to be a rifle, but not really. And he kinda, <laughs> he's kind of wearing like this rebel pilot jumpsuit type of thing, or it's trying to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm I was very confused about his style choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's ready to kill me for trying to watch this movie. Um, no, I, I actually kind of liked his what best that he had in most, most of the movie. One of yeah. the, I think my favorite thing about this is the, the visual style. The fact that you cannot go and recreate this style. It is so entrenched in the early to mid 80s. Um, it's so tactile. There are, I mean, all the special effects are not that special. You know, they're not computer generated. All the special effects are, you know, puppets and um, animatronics. It's very down to earth, very gritty. Uh, I love mm. all the, the little gadgets they get. Um, you know, they have this uh, low grade gifts them with these random little trinkets that are gonna kind of like in Lord of the Rings, right? You each get your gift. You might get like a package of crackers that are gonna save the day, or a flashlight. You know, um, he gets like a fairy in a rock, and then they, he's like, "Oh, I got a rock." Anyway, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, I, I like the tactile nature of this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, no, I totally agree with you. It definitely had its own like. It had its own flavor, you know, like um, I think back, 
I'm pretty sure this was in Caravan of Courage and not Battle for Endor, but I could be wrong. There was um, a scene like in a cave with like spiders and stuff. And you could see like um, the clear like fishing line that they were using to like manipulate the spider. And uh, I just, I don't know. It, it, it was very, yeah. it, it was a to, very cool style. I'm going to have to double check for that. That's hilarious. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, like it kind of looks like spider web, but you could tell it, like it, it served a purpose. <laughs> I, being from Arkansas, also use fishing line for all sorts of things it's not intended for. So I appreciate that. Definitely. Um, let's talk about the thing that we brought Charles here for. We're going to talk about uh, his one of his very favorite pieces of Star Wars content, and that is the Gindy Tartakovsky Clone Wars series. And my working hypothesis for this is if you really want to get the most out of the Clone Wars micro-series, watch it after Droids and Ewoks, because it's <laughs> awesome after Droids and Ewoks. I mean, you know, first of all, we got like 18 years of... Uh, of development with animation and lessons learned about Star Wars along the way. But Charles, uh, why do you have such an intense uh, love for this series in the first place? Oh man. I think part of it because I, I was watching it when it was coming out and this was in the prequel era, right? This was the first, remember this was the first look that we had at what was really the clone wars because episode two came out we saw the Geonosis arena and all the clones kind of descending there and fighting for the first time. And then nothing, right? Nothing until Revenge of the Sith, except for this cartoon. And so we yeah. really got to see what was going on. But the other part about it is, is for me, I think I have a lot of nostalgia for like, for Tartakovsky in general, but like this kind of animation style, like this is, this is straight up my childhood. Like think of one oh, of yeah. your favorite cartoons as a child and like that, look to it like that style to it like it it probably you know it, it probably means something to you hold some power over you and this is exactly that because you know Tartakovsky had a hand in some weird stuff a lot of the Cartoon Network stuff like Dexter's Laboratory all those kind of odd shows that uh that I still love to this day so it's probably yeah, a whole mix of things did he do Ed Ed and Eddie or was that like one of the only Cartoon Network shows he didn't do <laughs> I, I don't know if he did Ed and Eddie, but it seems like something he would have done. He did Dexter's Lab. That was okay. He did that's Dexter's a good one. Lab. He did Samurai Jack. I mean, he did, yeah, a lot of Cartoon Network stuff. Yeah. Uh, Powerpuff Girls. Um, yep. I remember the day we moved to Oklahoma and got our cable hooked up. We had Cartoon Network for the first time. I hadn't had it before that. And I just remember sitting in front of the TV and watching what was the one with the cow and the chicken and IR baboon? Oh, what was that? <laughs> I feel like it was remember. called cow and chicken or something like that. It was, <laughs> we were it was like, not very creative. My IQ dipping tremendously that day, but like having a good laugh and yeah. <laughs> feeling like we were in for a wild ride. I love that George hired this this uh, very noteworthy animator who, um, for as stylized as the show is, and in some ways doesn't hold up as well compared to Filoni's version because it has such an intense, extensive lore and so much involvement from George Lucas. What I love is that he, that George allowed him to commit to his style as fully as Gindy ever was with any of these other shows. He brought that to Star Wars. I mean, the, the clone troopers have so much style in uh, how they coordinate their attacks and their you know, doing their hand motions to, uh, you know, move around the corners. And whenever they get out of the, the troop transports, they all go, hut, 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 hut. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Uh, I appreciate that George kind of took a step back 
and let somebody else take the reins with Star Wars for a bit. Uh, Emma, what's your history with the, the Clone Wars cartoon? Did you say earlier? Yeah, I, I watched it for the first time when it came out on Disney+. Plus, um, and it was really interesting to watch it from the perspective of someone who's seen like all seven seasons of like the Clone Wars that we know now. Okay. Um, just, just sort of like comparing the two. It was like really, really cool to watch. And I, I was honestly sad when it ended because I could watch like hours and hours of that old Clone Wars stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so rewatchable. And I love the way that they have, um, couched it in Disney Plus. It is just two episodes, right? It's just these two volumes. You press play and they're going to go. And (laughs) you don't have to like, you know, decide in between episodes. Am I going to keep watching this? We just let it do its thing. It was like they were, they were having more and more faith in the show is kind of how it seemed because like as you said earlier Jared it's actually three seasons is how it was produced and volume one on Disney plus is like seasons one and seasons two and then volume two is season three so this is very legendsy right to be doing this number okay. thing again yeah so volume um, but it's volume be- one is seasons one and two Exactly, okay. because the earliest episodes were like three to four minutes I think all except for maybe I want to say the finale of season two was like 10 minutes for the first time but then all of season three they're 13 minute episodes so they were just giving gendy more and more room to play yeah they did get longer and um they connected more especially to the end of uh, the beginning of revenge of the sith uh, season yeah. season three volume two <laughs> connects so directly with Revenge of the Sith in a great way, which one of the things I loved about Legends. We've got a few books that really um, tether to that story. Labyrinth of Evil is a good one. Um, Of course, Plagueis as well. Uh, Let me ask you this, Charles. What is your favorite episode out of, um, you know, you can think the the little segments, favorite scene, favorite part. Obviously, we we, we know you love the Mace Windu fight. I do Uh, love that Mace Windu episode. Uh, So I think it's, I think there's my favorite episode, and then there is the best episode, and they're okay, not the okay. same. My favorite episode is from season one, and it's the episode where Obi-Wan and Dirge fight, uh, where they actually joust, right? Like with their oh, yeah, respective so <laughs> squads. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, of course Jedi Knights are going to joust. Like that had never occurred to me. Um but then they fight hand to hand, and it all ends with that wonderful moment when you think Obi Wan has won because he's cut Dirge into like five pieces, and then it the at the very end of the episode it just shows Dirge's little bubblegum body pieces like coming <laughs> Bu- back together. Like that dirt. is, I call them Jello Dirge. It's bubblegum Dirge. That's Jell- what it is. <laughs> I like Jello Dirt actually, but yeah, I mean Dirge was such a cool character, and just that moment uh that's that is my favorite episode but the best episode i think hands down is actually a couple episodes but season two uh i think it uh it's like a few different episodes but the specifically when asajj and anakin are fighting um yeah i just watched that one yesterday yeah yes that the one at the end of their fight right where um anakin kind of Dips into the dark side a little bit. He's wielding one of Asajj's red lightsabers, and he just gives that like primal roar when it's he's so when he's striking Asajj down that pit. And you see the flashes of Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Yoda behind him, just looking like terrified. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that's that's the best episode is because not only was it the animation incredible, right, with the rain like 
uh, sizzling yeah, off of right. the lightsabers when oh, it starts. I love that. That mm. kills incredible. me. Incredible. With the use of the red and the blue lighting on the characters, similar to, to The Force Awakens that came so many years later. Um, but specifically because it, it was like, it worked perfectly as one of those moments that where Anakin was unsupervised, right? Sure. And he really let his true tendencies come out. Just like in Attack of the Clones when he slaughters the Tusken Raiders, right? When he's away F's from the, the Jedi Order. The Tusken Raiders. Yeah, that's, that's when he has those moments. And I felt like if you went from watching the micro series to Revenge of the Sith, that's one of those moments you carry into watching that movie, understanding why he's so troubled. Oh, man, that's so great. I, I just watched that yesterday morning. At breakfast, before I went and took my final exam for grad school, <laughs> I came into it just like supercharged. <laughs> yeah, um, what got me? Yeah, the, the the rain on the lightsabers and they start sizzling, and I'm like, so how? Cool. Why are we not doing more of that? You know, yeah, it totally makes sense. Why is this not been anything else? And then the amazing thing, <laughs> and I I started laughing so hard. My wife was like, "What is wrong with you?" When <laughs> the rain starts sizzling on their lightsabers and then the rain starts falling. And they just stare at each other, and Gindy just lets it sit. And it is the longest silence of just rainfall and them just staring at each other. And I'm sitting there just like, seriously, how long is this going <laughs> to go on? What is happening? There's only and then, a few minutes. And then it's, like, it's like right before a boxing match, you know, when they like stare at each other like that. Yeah. They've got to like get ready, you know? <laughs> yeah, perfect. And then finally, Anakin just like straights up jumps onto the Masazi Temple. It's like yes. in one single leap. Well, it's one of the things. Well, you bring up the, a good point because yeah. Gendy is not afraid of silence, right? Because the the troopers rarely talk, as you said. Like they're doing their they're doing their hand signals, but when they pull in the the music, like you feel it too, because it's that same episode where they play some of the actual classic Star Wars soundtrack, and it works so well. Yeah, and you guys did a good job talking about this on, uh, you did a whole episode of The Living Force about this. If you want more information, if you want to hear more an analysis of the Gindi series, we're not going to go um, in tremendously deeper detail from here, um, other than to say, you know, that um, there is this Clone Wars publishing program in Legends that uh, Trevor has talked about quite extensively on the Star Wars archives, we haven't done a ton with here, but before the uh, Revenge of the Sith is ever released, in, in those years between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, Del Rey, um, Dark Horse, and of course Cartoon Network, right? they are chronicling the Clone Wars bit by bit, piece by piece, and so you get to learn about this conflict and live with the conflict uh, weekly, monthly, as is going on, getting ready for the release of Revenge of the Sith in, in a period really before, at least, you know, for me as a, a youngster, right? Charles and I are similar ages, um, you know, didn't have great internet access. <laughs> when you did, it was like you really had to wait for it with a dial-up. And so any piece of content you could get was a tremendous gift from the Force. And so it really fits into that period. And I think its greatest contribution is... Um, it's introduction of villains. Let's talk about some of the original villains in this. We've got, I would say, two that have really endured, and then one more who's making a comeback. This show introduces Asajj Ventress, General Grievous, and Dirge. All right, so we Dirge. talked about Dirge. Dirge and his uh, jello bubblegum self who can joust with Obi-Wan and put himself back together to fight another day. 
Uh, slight spoilers for what is happening right now in the current Marvel comics. We'll only just spend one minute on this. You can skip ahead one minute if you want to. You've been warned. Dirge is back. Emma, how insane is it that Dirge is back? It's insane. Like, man, so I, I already knew he was coming back because of the cover of Dr. Afra, but just reading about him and, and also visually seeing him doing all the combat stuff again, it was insane to see him back in canon again. And, and it, it makes so much sense for him to be a thing in canon, right? It does, but I will buy anything in Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, like, I like The Rise of Skywalker. I, For me, my suspension of disbelief is easy. It's like yeah. I'm watching Star Wars. It doesn't have to make sense. I'll go with it. I I love Palpatine's return in Dark Empire. It, it works for me. I, I don't have any hang-ups whatsoever with this. Dirge coming back is a great bone to Legends. It's a great, you know call back to this Tartakovsky thing. It, it also makes sense that that you would need more ridiculously powerful, crazy bounty, bounty hunters for an event mm. called War of the Bounty Hunters. You can't just have Boba Fett, IG-88, and the you know seven or eight from The Empire Strikes Back. You really need to fill out that roster. I think Dir- right. Dirge does that in an interesting way. Charles, over under, let's go ahead and take, place our bets here. Over under that Dirge gets torn apart and has to put himself back together. Let's put it at over under at 10. How many times in War of the Bounty Hunters do you think Dirge has to reassemble his dissected body? Mm. I'm going to say under 10. I that's that's a lot. I would I would read a comic <laughs> where he just keeps getting destroyed and putting himself back together over 10 times, but I don't know that the mass public would do that, so Okay, good point. Less than. Okay, Emma I agree, less than 10, and here's why. There's, there are only two known major lightsaber wielders in this era, and it's pretty hard to chop someone up with a blaster. Oh, all right. That's, well, uh, here's another question. Will he eat anybody who will then explode out of his insides? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's got to be how he goes out, right? I hope so. It's like with if Thrawn. If he has to go out, that has to be the way. It's like with Thrawn. You know, whatever they're going to do with his story in canon... Who knows? He's out there, you know, with Ezra. But, like, you know, it's going to be hard to beat how he died in Legends. And so I'd like to see some kind of a throwback. That is good. That is so excellent. I'd like to see him, you know, blasted and then watching his bubblegum skin knit itself back together, like, over a series of panels. You know, you could do one panel where it's just, you know, a hole in his bubblegum flesh. The next panel, the tendrils, tendons are kind of coming back together. Charles, explain how that works on on a physiological level. Uh, yes, I cannot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, Emma, we asked Charles his favorite episode. He answered with uh, the two that I was going to answer with. The only other one I might have said is the, uh, what's the Nautilus name? Kit Fisto, when he goes and has his underwater duel. That yes. one is awesome. I love that one. Um, what about you, Emma? Is there any other episode we have not mentioned that you think should make the list in, of uh, being in contention for the best episode of Gindy's Clone Wars? Yeah, like the one where Anakin gets his tattoos was really interesting to me, mostly because it didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the same time, like we've never really seen anything like that in Star Wars. So I was like really intrigued by that and I think visually it was stunning to see these like gross slugs going across his chest and like leaving tattoo marks like I think visually it was very 
interesting to see, though I don't think it's the best narratively by any stretch. That's a good answer. Definitely a good answer. Um, if you guys want more information on this, like I said, you should... Do you know what episode that was, Charles? Check out that episode of The Living Force. Started looking for it a minute ago. Mm, yeah, I don't you know guys, off the top of my head. It, it, it would about the be Gindy somewhere, series. somewhere in the hundreds, I think. In the low hundreds. <laughs> Whew, goodness, you guys have done a lot of talking about Star Wars. <laughs> we like it. What can we say? That's great. That's great. You guys did a good job in dissecting that, just like uh, Dirge gets dissected from, from time to time. Um, I would say out of all the different shows and movies that we have talked about tonight, my biggest recommendation on what is worth your time, second only to the droids theme song would be the Gindy Tartakovsky series. Is uh, that everybody's recommendation? Do we even need to discuss this? Is it up for debate at all? No. <sighs> okay. Absolutely not. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. This is kind of crazy that... Disney did this, right? That they released all this stuff in this Disney Plus vintage collection. I love the way it was repackaged and re-released. It's kind of a way of saying this is a look back in the vault. They're clearly saying, like, this is not what we're making now, but here it is if you want it. What is one other thing you would like to see re-released in the Disney Plus vintage collection that is not there already? Uh, just recently, we had droids added to the collection. If you're going to add something else to your collection, like General Grievous does with lightsabers, what is one more thing you could see them adding or one more thing you would like them to add? Uh, let's start with you, Emma. Yeah, so uh, Jared w was talking earlier about Warwick Davis doing like uh, filming his own sort of behind the scenes of Caravan of Courage. And Honestly, I would love to see that, mostly because I'm very interested in how that movie was made at that time. It's a TV movie, so obviously it didn't have as high of a budget. Um, I, you know, I, I'm just so intrigued at like how some of these effects were done, um, what it was like on set. Like, was he best friends with with Aubrey Miller? Like, I would love to know all of these things. So I think that would be really, really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. They gave him, you know, Warwick Davis, kind of like the poster child of of star wars they loved you know would really cater to him um they gave him professional camera equipment to do this oh, with wow. so like he actually had incredibly nice equipment and so um would love to love to get a chance to see that there's so much went into this in fact it was a kickstarter like 10 years ago where he was trying to raise the funds to find a way to release this thing and now, you know, this would be a great platform for it. Got a great recommendation here from Jacob. He'd love to see the uh, original theatrical cuts put on Disney+. Plus. Mm, I definitely yeah. agree. That was definitely something that could happen. Hopefully something that will happen. We'll see. Uh, Charles, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know of all that much that's out there. So this was my deep dive into Legends. So I guess uh, I will say the Star Wars Detours cartoon that was made could definitely be added to this series. I don't know that it really fully jives with uh, with Disney because it was you know the the same guys that made Family Guy or at least Seth Green who's part of that team. Yeah. Um. So I think there's probably some rude humor in there. Uh. But yeah, maybe it's a little there. irreverent. But I mean, as long as you stick that vintage collection logo, you know, it's ten years ago. Surely that's vintage by now. Could you call that vintage? Not as yeah. vintage as 1978, which you mean talk about the Boba Fett cartoon. 
<laughs> which is cool. You know, the one thing we'll say about it, we'll get to it in a second, in the Easter eggs. Definitely agree there. I had a list of a few others. Um, oh, I'd love to see the documentaries that were made about the special editions. These were released mm. as like bonus content on the VHSs. I'll come around here somewhere. It's too dark in here. Um, on the VHSs of the special editions released in the late 90s, they put these documentaries of George just like leisurely saying, yeah, I decided to put another spaceship in the thing. <laughs> so just <laughs> want these documentaries about... George's decision making on how the special editions became the special editions. I'd love to have those on Disney Plus. They're actually a lot of fun. Um, would love to see those. Let us know your recommendations. What are your picks? Would love to see those in the chat in the comments. Legends Look Back Discord channel as well. Before we're gonna go, we're gonna cut this thing off. We are gonna go quickly lightning round through some of the Easter eggs and the canon connectivity with the Disney Plus Vintage Collection from the Boba Fett cartoon all the way to the Clone Wars micro-series, some of the callbacks. Obviously talked about the recanonization of Dirge, but uh, here's a few others. Uh, Charles, start us off all the way back in The Faithful Wookiee, the Disney Plus um, clipped version of the Boba Fett cartoon from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, so The Faithful Wookiee, uh, Boba Fett appears in it. This was his first canonical appearance, and he has... His gun, which is an Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster, that was then reintroduced in the Mandalorian. We see uh, Din Djarin first use this against that ice creature. Uh, I think it was in the pilot. Yeah, definitely. My favorite thing about that entire um, that entire cartoon is how many times Boba Fett straight up smacks his big purple dinosaur with it. <laughs> like it's it's not even just like a prod to hey let's go a little faster. Boba is just like, smack! And <laughs> nails this thing. And I was like, ooh, man, that was a little violent. Uh, <laughs> Emma, you're up next. Uh, tell us what else is a callback in The Mandalorian. Yeah, so this is really cool. Um, also in The Mandalorian, the Blurgs, which first appeared in Battle for Endor, uh, were recanonized in The Mandalorian um, as the chosen steed of Queel the Ugnaught. And I believe it was also in The Clone Wars on Ryloth, I think. <gasps> oh, wrong. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was recanonized there. Um, what I appreciate about the way they did it in The Mandalorian is it looks a lot like the way yes. they did it. Yes, and a little, little stop-motion-y. Yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely. Another fun little callback cameo are the cameos in Droids by both Max Rebo and his musician sidekick, the coolest name in all of Star Wars, <laughs> Droopy McCool, and, of course, even IG-88. Unfortunately, they were both featured way less than I hoped that they would be. Uh, Charles, take us, take us away with the next one. Yes, so another uh, another little Easter egg from droids here. There is a four-armed diner owner, but <laughs> this one, unfortunately, does not know anything about Kim and Owen's saber darts. He's not our good buddy, Dex, but still no. cool. Definitely, the writing is on the wall there for where Dex is going. I love that George was like, you know what I really liked? That four-armed diner guy. He can flip <laughs> so many burgers. <laughs> and he brings them he back. so efficient. But much more like a toad, which is cool. Uh, Emma. Yeah, so also in droids, and something that Star Wars Archives talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, there's a pirate villain named Kai Bo Ren. And no, I did not just say Kylo Ren. I said Kai Bo Ren. 
And uh, if he offers your hand again, you'll definitely take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Except for maybe not, because I imagine his hand is like sweaty. Yeah, he I know. Seems he's like a like, sweaty he's boy. Gross looking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the very thin mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I would never shake a hand of a man with that thin of a mustache. You know who else's hand I wouldn't shake? A Gorax. Goraxes, which were in the, the the major boss villain at the end of uh, Caravan of Courage. The uh, monsters that uh, haunt the Ewoks there on Endor, they were recanonized in Forces of Destiny, those little YouTube shorts from a couple of years ago. They were also referenced in a, a number of other canon reference materials um, throughout the last few years, including... The, the lair of the Goraxes on Battlefront. You know who else was referenced in Forces of Destiny is Princess Nisa from the, the Ewoks cartoon. So love that oh, they really they really just went all for it with the Ewoks stuff in Forces of Destiny. Uh, I'm about to rewatch those. It's been a while. And finally, Charles uh, added one last here, one last thing. Did you know that Sindel from the Ewok movies is referenced in one and only one, no, a couple of Legends books. The very first one she is referenced in is Tyrant's Test. Did you know that Sindel from the Ewok movie was ever referenced again in Legends? I had no idea. Um, this is pretty shocking to me from what little I watched of the Ewok movies that we would want to bring things back. So tell me more about this. Yeah, so she became a reporter on Coruscant uh, later in the the, uh, the Tyrant's Test, the novel, and then in Legacy of the Forest, she's referenced again. So uh, if going by that continuity definitely is set not 150 years after Return of the Jedi. So uh, maybe just a few years after, could be a little bit before. I've seen some conflicting reports as I've been doing some on-the-fly research here. But pretty cool that she at least gets a little call back there. Before we close out the show, we're going to do a little game. Now, we're having a, a debate here. Charles said, you mean one of Eric's stupid games? And I said, no. Eric can fight me. I started doing stupid games on this podcast before he ever trademarked them as Eric's stupid games. So this is a good old-fashioned Jared's stupid game. But Eric, hey, I would love to have you come and play some stupid games anytime you want on Legends Look Back. All right, so for the two of you, I'm going, I only got two questions written because like these are actually fairly difficult to write. But you know, we're also running out of time here. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read four plot descriptions of what could be an episode of Droids. And I want you to tell me which of these is not an episode of droids. Okay? Charles, we're going to start... There's three truths and one lie, then. Yes. Yeah. All right. Charles, we're going to start with you because Emma, she watched more than you did. All right. So you're going to make a fool of yourself first. Ready? Which of these is not an episode of droids? Number one, R2-D2 and C-3PO and their companions crash land on a water world and have to tame an OPC killer. Number two, the droids and their friend befriend an android who happens to be a local brainwashed chieftain. Number three, after being des- uh, jettisoned over a desert planet, C-3PO and R2 are taken in a land speeder by a couple of locals. They accidentally discover the location of a secret weapon. That's all I'll say about that one. And uh, finally... The fourth option is the droid's friend plans to follow the rainbow comets to find a safe path through the cloak of the Sith to the planet Rune. And this will allow them to trade for rune stones. And ultimately, R2 saves the day by pretending to blow a circuit. 
Which of wow. those um, sounds the least like? First of all, a I feel like I've episode not watched of, Ewa, of droids. Any of the of the episodes, even though I watched all of them, I feel like I don't remember any of it. All right, Emma, I feel myself kind of going to this Zen flow with these episodes, where like you turn them on, you just kind of like zone out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> all of it sounds fake. All of it oh, sounds that, fake. It, it does all sound fake. That last one was so detailed; it has to be true. So I'm taking that one out. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the first one wasn't weird enough to be real. I'm going to say the crash landing on a water world and taming an OPC killer is not an episode of droids. Emma? It's the first one. Oh, uh, okay. It wasn't good enough. Yeah, I needed more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. But I appreciate that you thought that they all sounded fake. That was kind of the goal. All right. No, they the all other, did, for real. The other, the other question is this. I'm going to give you titles of names of the Ewok uh, Ewok shows. So these are episode titles. One of them, once again, is not an actual episode title. Ready? Emma, you go first this time. Okay. Baby Ewok's Picnic Surprise. Number two, Race to the Great Tree. Number three, Wicket's Wagon. And number four, Blue Harvest. I'm going to say number two. Number two, Race to the Great Tree. Charles. Um, I, get, I mean, I guess I'm going to say Blue Harvest, right? Because that has other Star Wars connotations. It does. Okay, Emma was right again. Once again, she did watch them, but uh, or most of them. Yeah, so uh, Race to the Great Tree. I made that up. I almost just put Race to Crash Point Tower to see if you guys would notice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it kind of works though. There's trees. Yeah, there was actually an episode called Blue Harvest. I watched Interesting. it. Interesting. Was not cool, unfortunately. But I don't even know just... why they called it Blue Harvest, even at the end. Like I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't either. There was a blue villain, or like a, a villain who wore a blue onesie. Right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like uh, like the the Ithorian in the Kinder toy. He has a blue onesie. <laughs> uh, like a spandex, not a jumpsuit, but like the one that Richard Simmons would exercise in. What are those called? Um, a leotard? Like a pantsuit. Yeah, suit that's good. There you go. Leotard, not a pantsuit. He's not no, Hillary not Clinton. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Right, Charles, thank you for filling in this week for Freddie. Freddie, you've been missed. Can't wait to hear about uh, which of these California adventures you would want to take. As we're just going to totally redo that intro all over again to ask if you've ever been to any of these places. Remember, everybody, no show next week. We will not have an episode live of Legends Look Back next Thursday night because, well, I'm out of town. And uh, Freddie doesn't want to host without me. I mean, come on. All right. And after that, we also are prepping, however, for our next roundtable. Emma, tell us what the next roundtable is going to be. Yes, the next roundtable is going to be Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover, which you can get in the new Legends Essential collection. Did I you get got that this, right? Emma. You got this, Emma. <laughs> so I keep wanting to say epic collection like the comics. It's the Legends Essential collection version uh or the new audiobook right it just came out with an audiobook yeah. so there's a couple ways to do this and uh, i'm really excited because i have like that new book format it's nice and big and and we talked about this last uh yeah last show uh, i just love that size <laughs> i finished it today and discovered there's bonus content there's a short story at the end even in the Ooh. audiobook they've recorded the short story at, uh, in the audio version which is super cool and I had no idea. Charles, I mean, I know you're a pretty big Mace Windu fan. Have you ever read Shatterpoint? Uh, 
I don't. I've never read Shatterpoint, and I just want to clarify something. I'm not a big Mace Windu fan. I just think he's alive. I just think he's out there, and I just hate him the least of those of us on the Living Force. <laughs> hey, works for me. Works for me. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks for joining us on Legends Look Back. Thanks to our incredible patrons for your support. We love making this show. In case you can't tell, and we are glad you are along for the ride. Special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and our Jedi High Council, Elizabeth Cloutier. Sound like uh, the DJ from The Last Jedi, right? Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Missile, Jally, Sally, and Chris Eilerson. <laughs> And, of course, Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command. I've never messed up those names before like that. What's your thoughts around the show? Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, please, at legendslookback at utini.com. You can send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can leave us a comment on this episode on YouTube. Note to self, read the comments before next week as long as they're nice. Or, of course, you can find us in Twitter. I'm at uh, Jared Q. Maze. Freddie, is it Wake Up Freddy? Uh, Emma? At UrbanJedi26. Charles at C. Hankel and the show is at Legends Look Back. What a great handle. So perfect. Glad we didn't have to like pay a thousand dollars to steal that from a space pirate named Kaibo Ren or anything. Well, hey, if you're looking to buy some of the books that we often talk about, really didn't talk about the books today. Uh, if you want to help support the show, you can look up a book on Utini. You could click the Amazon link in the profile, or of course, you could read something and then let us know what you think and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember, everybody, until next time, keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you. This is a Utini broadcast.